You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Don't call it a comeback. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, John Duke, and we predicted 2-0 last week, John. We almost got the Milwaukee game. I know, jeez. We almost got the Milwaukee game, but we did not get the Milwaukee game. And then, obviously, Chicago was just, well, basically the noise you just made. Yeah. A very unpleasant, flatulent noise. Yeah, it was awful, man. That Chicago game, I mean, you know, for any of the goodwill that you thought you had after the loss against Milwaukee, and it's just... It's the same story. It's This is the 2018-2019 Boston Celtics. They're going to fight like hell against the good teams and against the bad teams. It's a pretty good chance they'll find a way to lose. It's just over and over and over and over again. Well, right before the All-Star break, I'm flipping out mad because they're not playing against poor bottom feeder type teams. And then right before the All-Star break, they go out and prove me wrong because I say they just totally – nose dive into the all-star break. Instead, they completely pick it up, get a spirited win against Philly, and then don't drop the second night of a back-to-back against Detroit. And then coming out, at least the effort was really high against Milwaukee. I mean, they were all struggling, and uh, TNT said right from the start of the game they thought that would happen. So this must be a thing, this post-all-star break kind of let down or whatever. Kyrie especially, probably the coldest person on the Celtics in that game. And boy, had he even been mediocre through the first three quarters, uh, they might have had a nice, pretty fairly substantial lead. Also really didn't like the way uh, that he was just in ball hog mode to close out that game. Not that I didn't want him taking the shot. I did, but there was just no movement to set it up. Sure, with the three and a half seconds, but I'm talking about a few of the other plays leading up before that. Marcus Smart made an awesome, awesome defensive play at the end of that. And really, Jalen Brown um, played phenomenal against the Bucks. But you and I were talking before we came on the show, and uh, you know we're going to have to talk about Jalen and why he never gets a chance to close out a game. Having said that, uh, then they go play the Bulls, and it's just atrocious. I mean, total letdown, right? Like, every time you think that they start to right this ship a little bit, and you can kind of forgive them for the Milwaukee loss, they go out and lay an egg against a team like the, like Chicago. And all of a sudden, we're right back where we were before a couple of spirited wins before the All-Star break. And 
you know, the fan base is disgruntled again. It, it just is such an odd season. It's it's the worst season since 2010. I without question. I mean, it's there's nothing that's that's close. This is just this is as as maddening and as frustrating as 2010 was. I don't know if it's worse. I, you know, I I don't think I can say that at this point, but it it might be worse because of all the other stuff that's floating around the team right now in terms of who's going where and what might happen. It might be worse because we didn't have all that. You know, at that point it was really just about, you know, what what was taken from us, I think, in 2009, the uh, the precursor to the hospital Celtics uh, was kind of that team. It was a tough season, team. right, but it wasn't something where you looked at the culture. The culture was still right. intact. Right. That's what makes this just so bizarre. Yep. And, and you know, you've got people who are trying to cajole and, and get people in the right spots. I mean, Al Horford, I was listening to the first half uh, on the radio, listening to Max uh, – Granny and Max, and you know, there Sean was like, Al Horford is using language I've never heard him use before. You know, because that is something that. that we said. That is something yeah. that we said multiple weeks ago. I I said Al Horford has to get pissed. He is the leader in the locker room. He had a phenomenal game against Milwaukee, just outstanding, double-double with high, high rebounds. I can't remember the final total, but it was like 16 or 17 rebounds. Um, just a just really excellent effort, especially for a team that stinks on rebounding. So he went and made sure that they didn't get their butt kicked by the length of Giannis and, and Lopez. So here we are. You know, he should be getting mad. He should be swearing. He should be upset because – at some point, Mr. Calm and Cool, Collected, Locker Room, Glue Guy has got to come unhinged to make everybody really start to get it. And he has. I mean, I, and I think, you know, we saw it against, before the break against uh, Philly. You know, he kind of lost his mind with that early call on Embiid and he kind of earned the technical and it was great. I'm like, okay, yes, this is what we've been talking about. The problem is, is that he gets upset. And in the middle of that second quarter run, when really the Celtics really frittered away um, a, a hot shooting start, and he was unable to get them to kind of find them their own level until, you know, about six minutes to go in the game, and they started making a run and, and kind of knocking it down. But, you know, it, it's... It's, it's, I'm tired. We're tired of talking about it. We're tired of talking about who's responsible and who's not doing this and that. It's just, it's, and it's probably what's going on there, right? Everything that's going on out here in our world in this discussion is probably what's going on internally. Totally. And, and maybe Horford needs to be the one who gets upset in the locker room and not on the floor because, you know, like you're saying, maybe Horford's just not going to have an impact. Maybe that's a hang your head cash it in, right? Oh, man, now Orford's mad. Right. Uh, I guess we really are a bunch of losers. And then you just roll it over, right? Maybe it's better something that, that he attacks in the, in the locker room strategically mm -hmm. uh, and just trying to be the positive, positive guy on the floor. And then when it doesn't work, bust everybody's butt in the Absolutely. locker room. Absolutely. And I, and I think to that point, too, which is, I think, kind of interesting – Brad Stevens after the game talked about how I need to do, you know, I, not me, not John Duke, uh, that he, he I, uh, Brad Stevens, Brad so he was Stevens mad at himself, job. mad at himself. I need to do a better job. 
And, you know, he, he got pushed a little bit on that with, uh, you know, the media there and like, what do you mean? And whatever. It's just, I need to do a better job. Bottom line. I think that that means, and this is, I said this on Twitter. I think what I, I think what he's trying to do, I think there is blame there, no doubt. Um, but I think what he's also trying to do is to give a blueprint for the type of leadership he wants to see some of his guys provide. And his star player has humility. You know, Humility. Famously, he well, wants it's, it's, humility. it's humility. Yeah, it's humility. It's accepting blame before casting blame onto others. It's that's the type. That's what leaders do, and he's trying to instill that in, in Kyrie Irving. I believe. I think he's trying to instill that in all his people. And let's remember, Brad's somebody who doesn't want captains. No captains. Everyone has a chance to lead. Well. This is when all of that is kind of torn asunder, and we've got Kyrie, who's trying to be the leader, trying to do what he's got to do. He's 26 years old. I mean, he doesn't he clearly is struggling with that that aspect of it. And the one thing that I don't think he's done a good enough job of is is pointing at himself more than he's pointing at others. And that's not to say he hasn't, but he hasn't done it enough to the point where I think there's probably that part of these, these, these rifts in the locker room can be pointed a lot to, to that type of talk. Well, and it ties into Terry Rozier, who we're going to talk about, uh, in just a little bit. Uh, I think Brad does have to set that tone. I think Al does need to get mad and he needs to be the heavy for Brad because I think. Brad's not getting anywhere. And we'll, we'll definitely continue this conversation a little bit with Kyrie because there is potentially, I know what you're saying, but I just don't think that Kyrie is going to follow Brad's lead. And, and it has everything to do with what you just said about the whole commentary. Um, you know, here's, here's Kyrie and maybe he is pointing the finger a little bit, but he kind of does it in a different way. He basically just elevates himself, you know, well, we'll be fine because I'm great. But he's not necessarily – that's where the humility thing needs to come in. So it's not always that he's pointing at others. He's just saying, I'm not the problem, right? Which is basically saying in the other way, everybody else is the problem or there are other people and my boys know who who they are and everybody else could consider themselves – you know, at, at fault. And so I don't think that message is going to come across. I think it has everything to do with him being hungry, him wanting more out of this equation. And, uh, obviously the fan base is going to keep freaking out about Kyrie until, uh, the off season and we see what happens there. But I, I really do think it'll change by the postseason. But in the meantime, I'm not sure Brad can lead Kyrie's horse to water on this one. I think he's got to try, though. I mean, this there is a lot of Brad's getting a lot of heat right now. I think there's a lot of heat right now around this team. There's a lot of heat around Kyrie, and a lot of that's self-inflicted. And we can talk a little bit about what what he said earlier in the week and kind of pointing the finger uh, in terms of all the media hubbub and all that. Uh, but he Brad has to take try to take some control of the situation. I mean, he can't push away his star player. He has to realize that this is to go all in to try to save this season is probably not in the best interest of the team because there are bigger fish to fry one way or the other. Either Kyrie is going to go somewhere else and you're just going to deal with that or Kyrie's going to stay and he's going to try to bring Anthony Davis and who knows, maybe even Kevin Durant with him. I mean, and, and in that case, 
you're not going to have this situation again. There is no way that Brad Stevens and, and Kyrie Irving, the Boston Celtics, are in this spot in 2020. We will not have this same conversation in 2020. This team will look vastly different uh, at the start of training camp here in September. There's, there's no question in my mind. And for better or worse, that's what's going to happen. And I think that, that Brad probably should play the long game here and be like, look, we need to keep it together, play it safe, play it safe, and know that, that Danny's going to make the big move here that's going to shuffle the deck and probably allow everything to find its proper place. Well, all right. So uh, real quick, just a reminder for everybody, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live. As well as your host, you can follow me, at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network, at CLNS Media Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the Garden Report, the Roundtable, and yours truly, Celtic Stuff Live. Make sure to go check out the YouTube channel. So here's the thing, though, John. They continue to play the better teams in the East pretty well. So there is something to be said for... When they think the opponent is a challenge, somehow they wind up focusing to some degree and really competing. It doesn't mean they're walking away with wins, but they've got that win against Philly. They've played very well against Toronto and Milwaukee all season long um, for all the prior matchups. We're going to see once again tonight, they're, I mean, uh, Tuesday night, they're going to play the Raptors. So I have a pretty good idea at this point if they can continue to sustain that and the Chicago Bulls is just a blip on the radar, like all of the other very odd let down losses against far lesser teams, just to see them rise to the occasion with the greater teams again. But this is the one thing that I'm hanging on for this season. It's like the one glimmer of shining hope for what could go on in the postseason, even though the standings say that they're not as good as those other teams, you know, I'd rather them, to some degree, just be healthy into the postseason and continue to prove to themselves when they really want it, they can take it. And we saw Cleveland do that last year, remember? It was all strife and all BS, and yet there they go. And that could absolutely be something that happens with this Celtics team too. So when I see them play well against teams, I'm going to want it reinforced every time they play one. Definitely going to want to see it on Tuesday against Toronto. And... uh but if there's like starts to be some blowout losses against those competitive teams, I know at the end of the week we're going to see the Rockets next Sunday. Those are the games I'm really keeping my eye on. Can they compete with them when they know that they're kind of putting on their their playoff uh, playoff face? Yeah, no, I th- I think that's right. I think we we have to. I think we have to look at those games against Toronto, Milwaukee. Uh, Golden State, um, the you know the Rockets, those they're just in a different category. Um, look, I think the Celtics are the are the the gifted and talented kid who doesn't want to do his math homework because he doesn't think it challenges him enough. I think that's kind of what it is. And yeah, he's still getting you know C pluses, but you know he's a really smart kid, and if you probably put him in the advanced math class, he's probably gonna get an A. I think that's the Celtics right now. And I think that, that when we put them and he's going to go for his AP test here, uh, in the spring, in the playoffs, he's going to do just fine. And I think that that's kind of where we are. And, you know, we have to somehow, um, 
discard, uh, to some degree, these Chicago games out there. And they will happen again, and they've happened, they've happened over and over and over again. But we have to realize that what they'll be judged on is what happens in April, May, and June. And I think that's what Kyrie was saying. And he says, you know, look, I'm not worried. They got me. Well, okay. But he also said, I don't see another team that's going to beat us in a seven-game series. And you know what? I still have a lot of confidence to see them go up against a team of really good team in the Milwaukee Bucks and a really good team in the Toronto Raptors and a, well, okay team in the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> I think they, I think they're in a good spot. You know, I don't think anything changes. And that's what's so crazy about this. Do I think they can reach as high a ceiling as they could? No, because I think they don't have that togetherness that they, that they yep, could the chemistry. There's the chemistry just, is, is chemistry just up is and just, down. And it's not going to happen. You're 100% yeah. right. The chemistry is just not going to be there or we'd see that performance happening night in and night out throughout the year. But that seven-game series, making adjustments, I think Brad will do a much better job in a series format in terms of kind of corralling this team. But there also seems to be moments. He says he has to do a better job. Well, we already know he's smart enough with game planning and scouting and devising all that. So when he says he needs to do a better job, he means I need to get my team to buy into, you know, what I'm strategizing because I'm not sure that the team always executes what he's telling them to execute. In a seven-game series, you know you've got time to talk about it. You've got time to work uh, through it, and you're not just bouncing and bouncing and bouncing from one city to the next. And you're much more focused. You spend much more time together. There is, you know, it kind of makes me think that what we could see in the playoffs is sort of what happened with the Boston Celtics in the first year of KG, Ray, and Paul Pierce when they they almost got trounced in the first round of the postseason after going for, you know, 60-plus wins, right? And uh, that went seven. And But that's really the series where they pulled together and they kind of vaulted their run. After that, they looked much stronger. I could see that same thing happening here where that first-round series somehow goes seven and everybody's like, what? That whole letdown, just like we've seen against lesser teams all year. But then they vault uh, off of that to, a, to, to very good performances. They're definitely going to the Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion. Whoa. Okay. There we go. We heard it here first. I, I think, I think they will as well. I think, you know, and I don't think it makes a difference which, which, whether they're one, they're four, they're five, or two. I mean, look, they're going to have to play. Would it be better to avoid a tough first round series? Yes. But tell me the distinction between Detroit, Charlotte, and, and Brooklyn. I mean, is there one? And, you know, right now, still, Indiana's playing above their head. I'm, I'm happy for them. That's great. But I don't feel like I don't feel I'm worried about Indiana. But if if you could play, you know, anybody else, is that gonna? I don't. I just I don't think you're, there's like a, a get out of jail free card for it. You're gonna have a, a, a moderately challenging series. Um, it may go five or six games in the first round, and then you're gonna play the big boys, and then you'll see where it turns out. Do you play Detroit? Do you, I mean, do you play Toronto? Do you play? Um, Philly, I mean, who knows? I, I don't think it makes a difference. You're going to end up with a tough second, second round series no matter what. You're going to have probably a similarly challenging team in the, in the Eastern Conference finals. And then you see where you go. I mean, that's, that's kind of the way it's going to work. So I still look at the roster up and down and say, these guys can beat any of them. They should, they should be in it. Um, what I worry about is that for some reason, those, you know, they aren't able to reach their peak. 
and you know those those clashes they have internally um, become their undoing. But we've not seen that in any of these tough games that they've had. It has not happened. They've all yep. come together and they've all risen uh, and and largely been a better team as a result. You know, one to fifteen. Yeah. I know you want to talk about how Kyrie. Hold on, hold on. We yeah, will. Go ahead. We'll go back to Kyrie in a second. First, yeah. another huge week across the NBA with some very exciting matchups. There's only one place to get in on all of this action, betonline.ag. Sports casino, virtual casino, you name it, betonline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. If you use promo code CLNS50, you'll get a 50% cash back bonus on your first deposit just for signing up. And you know what? The biggest game this week for John and I, obviously, it's going to be the Raptors on Tuesday night. Make sure that you play that one. Go online or use your mobile phone to sign up today at betonline.ag and try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action with every single play. Remember, you can go to clnsmedia.com slash win and use promo code CLNS50. That's where you'll get your 50% cashback bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, John, go ahead. Take it away with the Kyrie. Well, yeah, I, I just – my only thought was, you know, there's a lot of debate about that last play – uh, against Milwaukee, he did get fouled. It's clear, but you know, did he, he? Should he have looked for Horford? Uh, I don't think he had time. Nick Gelso thought he had time. How does he? I mean, how do you think he can become more of a facilitator in that rather than just simply a scorer and a guy looking to get his own his own buckets? Well, I mean, I think on the last play, there's just only so much time. So that is what it is. You know, like you said, the two minute report kind of confirmed the fact that, um, you know, that he was fouled and that Morris was held. And so a lot, lot of action there. I mean, there's also, there was a foul, uh, in the last couple of minutes on Giannis that was totally bogus. Like nobody touched him. So several different things that kind of didn't go their way down the stretch, but. I really feel like they just weren't moving the ball in the first, last maybe 90 seconds on the possession, right? Kyrie, first first time it happens, he comes down and he hits that that just pull-up three right off the bat, which is fine because he makes it, right? But still, nobody else is involved. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what happens more often than not. And then there was another, I think the second-to-last possession, he kind of dribbles into the paint and he winds up getting it floated up in there. But some of these wind up being almost like broken plays. He's just such a fantastic dribbler. But even when he first gets down, there's just, there's like a double high screen, but nobody is moving off of that screen or even going to see or sniff a pass. And so the ball movement just stops. I just think it's really predictable. And even with that double high screen, they're just waiting for him behind that, uh, to start collapsing on him. And yeah, he's talented enough to still get a shot off with three defenders on him. But if there's that much attention being paid to Kyrie, how come there isn't any kind of diversion pass? Even if he comes back around the corner, you know, comes back around kind of up top and around and takes a handoff or whatever, just keep the ball moving. Um, because really just that, that part's just too predictable for me. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, that game against Toronto, was really one where everybody was kind of touching it. And, you know, you want to go, if you want to look at the Chicago game, you know, you had Tatum score the first seven points. And he was, uh, 
he was, it's like he got it and he was hot. And then it's like he vanished. He was on the back of a milk carton. And, you know, that's those situations. You don't even know the Celtics have Jason Tatum out on the floor when you're in the last few seconds, the last few minutes of a game. You know, and that to me is a shame. That that kind of speaks to what you're saying, which is, you know, look, it's great the Celtics have all this offensive talent, but if it's still funneled through one person, yeah, John, and that's why Kyrie is getting so much criticism from everybody else around, right? It just leads right into that whole narrative that, hey, Terry's better as a starter, and this is going to obviously tail right into all the criticism Terry's been getting, but there's a whole, you know, group of people that says, hey, Terry, Terry, but, you know, Terry clearly has to be a starter. He's not thriving in this bench unit role. And yet then you look at Kyrie and it just seems like it's kind of ball hoggy. And so people start to say, well, if he can't incorporate his teammates and he's got to do it all, aren't we going to wind up being, you know, just kind of this one dimensional team? And maybe that's why we're having all these issues with chemistry. Oh, there's a lot there. I hear you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not so excited about the ball hogginess either. Um, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I can understand somewhat the Milwaukee game because you do, you know, you kind of come out of the funk and you're finally able to start making some shots. And I get that. Um, and, and, you know, there's games when they have 30 assists too. I mean, it's not like this is, this is an endemic thing with them. I mean, they can move the ball as well as anybody. I think the question is, is why does it happen sometimes? Why doesn't the ball always find good shooters? Why doesn't, uh, you know, a, a player's great performance sustain? Why is it that, that Tatum was kind <laughs> the of, answer, out of the hold mix? on, hold on. The answer is because Kyrie doesn't even make an initial pass. He print dribble. Look, the end of that, that Milwaukee game tells it all. He dribbles down. They set up the two high screens, and he doesn't pass. That's why. You can't get other people involved if you don't pass the ball. That's just simple. And that happens a lot, especially in the waning minutes of a game. So let's go back to the start of the year, right? Kyrie sat back and was not shooting enough. Wasn't shooting, wasn't wasn't aggressive, was seemingly, you know, trying to let the game come to him, but really feels to me like was really just um, feeling his own way through, trying to figure it all out. And um, a lot of frustration in that. I was pretty frustrated with how he was playing. I, I didn't think he was doing, you know, them justice. But are we at the point now where everyone else has kind of figured that out so he should take a backseat and really facilitate all the time? I mean – I think what, circumstances did right but, here's, but here's the thing. I Even back then, I said I didn't have a problem with him taking the shots, right? And even now, I'm still saying I don't have a problem with him taking the shots. It's the way that it gets initiated. You know, there's a lot of quick threes in the final two minutes of close games. He dribbles down, he pops up. Sometimes he hits them, sometimes he doesn't. You know, and sometimes he's hitting them from three steps back, and they're already down three points, and he gets them in close, whatever. You know, the pull-up three happens, but more often than not, we're just seeing screens and no passing. You're not initiating an offense, and you're certainly not giving the illusion that somebody else might shoot the ball if you don't pass it. And that, like, so it was also in the beginning of games earlier in the season. Like, it wasn't just that he wasn't 
you know, taking the lead down the stretch, like the way Isaiah Thomas did before the trade, it was that he was kind of like being passive throughout the game. Even when he was shooting poorly to start the Milwaukee game, I didn't have a problem with him continuing to shoot, but the whole way the ball moves earlier in the game is different than it is at the end of the game. So yeah, definitely stay involved, take more shots, shoot your way out of funk, shoot or shoot, all of that. Great. But at the end of the game, Let's not stop playing the offense the way we've played it the rest of the game. Even if Kyrie still gets the shot, move the ball. Because I don't want Kyrie dealing with two or three defenders when he's trying to shoot that shot. He ought to be able to shake loose a little bit. And if he doesn't shake loose, then it really should go to somebody else. Somebody else who's probably open. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I'm not saying that, that he should always take the shot. I, I guess what my point is is that um, I, I think there's, I think you're right. There's two different, I think I, well, I think there's two different issues. I think there's an issue early in the game. I think there's an issue late in the game. I think the issue early in the game is really overplayed. Um, I think generally the ball does move, but I don't think that the team does a good enough job hunting and finding the guys who have it going and altering, um, substitution patterns and rotations to reflect that. I don't think they do a good enough job of that. Um, when Tatum has seven points, seven quick points, and then basically disappears, that's not okay. You know, and I think that's something other players should respect and reflect on and say, Hey, when I'm in that position, I want to get fed the ball. You know, that becomes the secondary thing. The end of game issue to me is one where Kyrie has to feel comfortable with his teammates and he still doesn't yet. He still doesn't have that comfort level and he, he does what he thinks he needs to do to win. And I would say the pull-up threes work. I think – I don't know what the percentage is. I, I, I could probably call it up here, but, like, just my own sense, I want – Even that's why I say – I, I, I said think I'm not necessarily upset about that. I just yeah. – you know, as long as he's open, but he's not making a pass. He's not involving others, you know, on offense when he does it. And while it's acceptable if he thinks he can get it off and he does, you know, hit them with just, you know – Pretty, pretty good regularity. So yeah. those ones I can kind of let go. But when you're setting that double high screen and nobody's rolling and he's not even looking, he's just searching and probing. And that's what they do every single time. That's a problem. That's just a problem. And it, there should, even if, even if they just do that thing that they always do where they set the high screen and then they do yeah. the little handoff and they give it right back to him, even that annoys me sometimes because it's just like, Hey, that's great. You just killed three and a half seconds on the shot clock and it's back with Kyrie in the same spot on the floor and the defenders totally knew it was coming and they're all pretty much in the same position again. Like that annoys me because I don't, I don't know what purpose it serves, but there is some action that comes off of that sometimes where he doesn't necessarily come back and maybe there is a cut. I just want to see more variation with it and I want to see them pass the ball a little bit more. At the beginning, just because I want him to be able to attack from different areas, driving into a crowd of people and hoping for a call, which is what happened at the end of that Bucks game, yeah. is not an effective way to win games. Not in my opinion. Not not for the size of player he is, and and what I mean. Look, let's remember the first first look was to Mook Morris. That was the that was the play that they wanted it. They want that was the first option. So, I mean. Brad was not going to Kyrie. He was going to somebody else there. That's its own issue, and it kind of 
dovetails into the Jalen Brown conversation we want to have. But I think that, I think that they do need to find ways to vary that offense. And I, you know, look, there have been times when they've looked for Tatum. The, the end of the Orlando game, which caused the initial kind of Kyrie blow up. Um, that obviously they, the, the ball went to Tatum and, and ever, you know, he was upset with Brad and all that happened there. Um, they just, Winning will cure it all. It's just, you know, when you get these, these back to back losses and, you know, they're, they've lost four of their last six. It just, it piles up and the, and the pressure builds, you know, um, so how do they vary the end of, end of game lineups or the starting game lineups? I guess is the question. Yeah. Well, now that's you know? where we tail it right into Brown. Why isn't yeah. Brown getting an option in that? Like, you know, you, you kind of said, make, let's make sure we talk about this on the show because. You know, Morris has cooled off a little bit. He's not as hot as he was earlier in the season. He's still steady, still reliable. And with Terry's play also on the bench now and, and really Chicago taking it to just a whole new low, they need somebody who can facilitate the offense. Maybe, and I hate to say this because I really do not want to extract Marcus Smart from the starting lineup. I just love him there. Um, but it is always who finishes the game, not who starts it. Maybe you do put, you know, Marcus, or maybe Marcus is the earliest sub and he spends most of his time coming back in not long after, you know, the initial, more initial substitution patterns come with that second unit. But somebody needs to be able to facilitate the offense with that second unit and, and bring that back together. And that was the cohesion that, that Smart was, was offering before they had to put him in the starting lineup along with Marcus Morris. But then Jalen's been playing great lately. I mean, he's been playing really good lately. And yet, like you mentioned, and this is kind of how you wanted to tee it up, he's not really ever closing or finishing a game. He's never out there. So is it disjointed? Is it that they just know that Marcus Morris has got lightning in his veins, uh, you know, or ice in his veins, and he's going to be able to knock down the shot? Like, with, without concern, maybe is it the veteran factor? Who knows? But, but maybe it's this scenario where you move both Marcus's, you move Marcus Morris to the bench, but he finishes the game and you have, and you let Brown start and then Marcus Smart stays the first unit, but he's an early substitution so that he spends some time with that bench unit to kind of steady the, steady the hand offensively that way. You know, and I think that that's, I think that's a good point. Um, because the mix is what it's all about. Um, you know, just going off a of net rating here, right? That's just one measure, right? Um, Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart are the two guys in the negative category <laughs> since over the last 10 games. And it's a random that number. I mean, yeah, I could pick 11, I could pick eight, but over the last 10 games, Mook and Smart are the only negative players in the, that are getting major minutes. Um, Terry Rozier is right around zero. Jalen Brown is only 2.3. And if you throw out the 12 minute, the only, the, you know, the very modest 12 minutes that Shemi Ojale, uh, is bringing to the, the party, the leader in the, in the, you know, unquestioned leader in net rating is Gordon Hayward. So you also have to look at where he fits in this mix too. Um, I don't know where Jalen or, or Hayward fit. Um, I'm frustrated that Jalen seems to come out with six minutes to go every single time, regardless of how well he's played. 
And and despite the fact that especially how we, well he played in the postseason last year, yes. it's not like he hasn't proven that he's got it in him when he's hot. You know, he has games where he's just way off and games when he's way on, and we've seen that. Right now he's way on, and you would think in that scenario you'd give him the opportunity to play like he did in the postseason last year when you know he's on. Well, and and we know other guys aren't, right? That's the other piece of this, and that's the thing that I expected to see out of this team at this point, right? There's 20-something games to go, and I figured – the first we know, Brad. First, you know, till January or whatever. He's 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 trying things. He's doing different things. He's trying to see what works. It took longer, I think, because of all the messed up stuff that happened early on. But I thought at this point we would see we, him riding the hot hand a little bit more than he has. And I guess that's the frustrating part to me, in that we've seen Jalen do have some good games, some consistent games, some games without lapses. And he's nowhere, you know, and, you know, I, I looked at, there was a, there's an NBA scout who does some YouTube breakdowns of, of game film. And, you know, Marcus Morris was just as to blame for that 28 point loss or 20 point, the comeback, the, the Clipper game as anybody on that team, you know, and he calls everybody after the game. Jalen made mistakes in that game too. And those were called out, but I just don't see, and, and I know that Jalen makes those mistakes. I see those mistakes. It frustrates me to no end that he, he is not at this point in his third year taking those things out of his game uh, to a more consistent degree. But Marcus Morris is not like this end all be all player. He had a great start to the year, but over the last two months, eh, not great. I mean, okay. But he's not like an automatic put him at the end of the game. You know, you got it. The only question is rebounding, I guess, right? That's the only reason I can argue why you'd have Marcus Morris in there instead of Jalen or instead of Hayward. Can you can you figure it out? Because I can't. No, defensively, maybe you want a little bit more size, a little more body out there. That mm-hmm. might be it. You know, Jalen's strong, but really he uses his athleticism more than strength. And Marcus is, you know, definitely scrappy. But – I would like to see us attacking the basket with Jalen. I mean, he did do that against Milwaukee. He had that one. He just carved right through the paint. And it's not like the defense wasn't set. They just maybe they were sleeping a little bit, but he just flew right through and dunked. That's the kind of attack that we need from him. And I think you need it at the end of the game. He should be the one going to the line. I know traditionally the free throw, free through. Free throw shots for him have been a little questionable. So maybe that's another reason he's not out there at the end is they figure he'll end up spending a lot of his time, a lot of his offensive opportunities at the free throw line. And maybe they're not confident in that. And they see that as a low percentage play. So they're not doing it, but he's not going to get better at it without it. And he does bring something completely different. Just that quick knife edge attack in there. And, all they, and again, he still never run any of these backdoor plays. Like, why the hell is Jalen Brown not running backdoor cuts for easy baskets? How is that not in this offense yet? And what a great little sucker punch that would be in their repertoire at the close of games. You know, maybe not in the final 30 seconds, but definitely over the final two minutes of a close game to just get an easy backdoor cut with that athleticism and dunk it, just everybody would ride off of that. And it would open things up for for Kyrie as well. So those are the things I think about. I, I, I don't understand why we we'd want, we don't even don't do it in the last two minutes. Do it sometime. Just do it once. 
I no, and I you know I think we did see that a little bit when Jalen was kind of finding his footing. I think we've got enough of a sample size though to say Jalen's back. He's been back. He's living back. He's fine. He's good. He's doing everything. Could he be better? Should he be better? Sure. You know, I mean, right now he's he's slightly better than than a, than an average player. I mean, his net rating is kind of you know he's he's a little bit better than than what he's given up. That's good. But they got it. They the team needs more than that from him, and maybe it's the situations he's in. I he's also sharing a lot of time with Terry Rozier, and Terry Rozier needs to come out of the rotation. I think. I think you either you give him a night off or you try to get him like right. Uh, but he is he is killing this team. That second unit is is abominable. They, their effort against Chicago was horrendous. Um, they need to do better and you can't just be so up and down and left and right. Terry's in his third year, you know, his fourth year. He, he's got to be, be, I'm talking about Jalen being better in his third year. Terry's got to be a hell of a lot better as a point guard, as a, as a primary ball handler. And they got to get the ball out of his hands, put it in Hayward's hands and let Hayward make plays with that second unit. I mean, there were five straight plays at the start of that second half, second quarter last night when things started to spiral where Hayward doesn't touch the ball. That's inexcusable to me. There is that ball needs to run through. Even if Hayward is missing shots, even if, if, if he's not going to be aggressive shooting the ball, he's got to have the ball in his hands because he's the best decision maker that group has. Bottom line, it's got to happen, you know, and if, and, and maybe that, maybe that won't happen. Maybe they should juggle the lineups and go back to the starting lineup that they had expected. Um, but right now this team needs a bit of a shakeup and I, and I hope Brad will consider it here for, you know, Toronto Tuesday night. Yeah, fingers crossed. We'll have to see how that runs down. Um, all right, we gotta wrap the show here, but first we gotta make some predictions. We only had two games on the docket last week. Not a whole lot of thinking there and, uh, not, a, not any correct thinking there. No. Nope. Uh, for two guys that both went two and oh, and, uh, we definitely did not see that. So Raptors is Tuesday night. Trailblazers, uh, the second night. Uh, it's back to back. They're away for Raptors, but then they're home for Trailblazers. Get a night off. Wizards on Friday, get a day off. And they play, uh, that Sunday afternoon matinee that just treats the Celtics so well against the Houston Rockets. So, um, I'm just going to level set it quite level, equal footing on each side of the cantilever. I don't know. I'm blowing this one two and two. <laughs> I have no idea. I think we have been as wrong about these predictions this year as we possibly could be. Yeah, so they're gonna get, it, we're gonna get one of it, the rap, raps rockets, and they're gonna get one of the trailblazers whiz is the way I look at it. And and they're they're like forest gumping this entire season. That box of chocolates, I just have no idea anymore. Stupid is a stupid does also. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> I, yeah, I. Four and zero. I mean, I don't know, man. I, stop I, it! Just stop I, it! Why? Why? Old four? I, know what I happens. mean, I, I know what happens every time I get negative. <laughs> the team rebounds, and that's your play right there. And you just, you're just dying to be optimistic. It's no, killing I, I, you. It is that they're yes. weighing us down. That you, yes. you can't just be excited and enjoy this. And yes. it's totally. I mean, it's killing me too. I got to be honest with you. Like even when I watch the games, I'm, I'm really just kind of watching out of the corner of my eye sometimes because it's just. It's just not there. You know what I mean? If they don't take it seriously, what do I have to learn by watching them? I'm just kind of monitoring the game. Whereas I used to watch and try to find out 
you know, clues to what they might be. But I mean, seriously, just ISO at the top, let Kyrie drive into the pack. Maybe they'll have effort on defense. Once they don't, there's nothing to learn. You know, hey, let's see if they turn it up at the end of the game. Remember, let me, let me ask you this, or you know what? This will be the outtakes. You said four and oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're going to, we're going to close it. We can do this in the outtakes. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic stuff live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show for staff writer. Come on, John. Sibby Elias. Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. All I was going to say, John, is remember, like, I've never done, I always hate, one one thing I hated about the NBA is everybody's like, yeah, the games are always close at the end and nobody ever tunes in to the final six minutes of the fourth quarter, right? But don't watch the other three and a half quarters, just watch the last six minutes. It's getting to that point that this team is training me to be that way. And then if they're down by 20 points, I just don't even watch the last six minutes because there's no point. And that's that's bad. I mean, I'm kind of a religious watcher. But I feel a little beaten down with this season that there's just – it's just – sometimes it's just too painful. You're you're a religious watcher, but uh, you're beginning to question the faith. <laughs> I, I get it. I mean, it's tough. It's – you know, I listened to the first half on the radio, and watching it was just, you know, terrible. I mean, there are parts of the game on, on – on, you know, it was a Thursday night, the Milwaukee game that were maddening, you know, and luckily, you know, Milwaukee was kind of cold and they were missing some shots. Or whatever. But the effort but, was there. I mean, I felt like the hustle was there. Not it wasn't from Kyrie. In the <laughs> Milwaukee was, game? Yeah. yeah. That was, that was not a good night for Kyrie Irving, you know, and, and for a guy who's, I know we're trying to outtake this, but, for a guy who's trying to like throw the throw this you know throw everything at the media and say they're causing this and they're living by clicks and all this and to tell that to Steve Bullpet, a guy who he should know is not that guy, um, I think it was really dumb of him. I think it was really stupid, and I think that he's got a point about what he's saying and he's got a point about he's been thrown into this mess and he hasn't caused any of it. It's Rich Paul. It's, you know, Chris Haynes running Chris Paul, Rich Paul stuff and Sham Sharani and all these guys. And, and Kyrie isn't playing ball and, and it's, it's all getting thrown in his lap. But if you're going to go to war with the media and say they're only for clicks and they're not there for the fans and all that, you got to give like, your best effort, you know, if you're going one for 10, you got to give your best effort because every eye and every fan and everybody is watching you. And what are you giving? You know, what are you doing? And I don't think you get rid of them and all this, like people are losing their minds over it, but it's just, I just think that it's not, I, I agree with his, his larger point, but the way he's going about it is completely idiotic and he's losing fans over it. 
he's losing fans in Boston. He's losing, he's losing the Celtics fans. He's losing Kyrie fans. For what? To prove a point that, that the narrative's stupid? Well, there's a lot of things you could go down that road with. How about you just kill the story, pour you the water on it, which you should do, and then go at the media? That would be like the way you could go about it, but. Kyrie wants to be a free thinker. The, the more, the more he does it, the more he does it. Yeah, don't get me going on his thinking. Um, <laughs> or maybe the, we should have a special show just about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, all, all I'm going to say is, yeah, he he wants to be the counterpoint, right? He wants to go yes. against the grain. He wants to be a little oppositional, and that's all fine and dandy, especially when you're winning. But you're not winning necessarily the way you need to be right now. But the more he says that, you know, it's like that, you know, uh, um, maybe he doth protest too much, right? Um, the more, the more he says it, the more he says it's not an issue, the more I think it's an issue. The more he gets upset with the media and the more he starts to crack, the more we all think there's really more to this whole story and it's going to come out someday. We're going to, there is going to be a lot of, and they might come out and win the championship and do something totally crazy. And then it'll be part of this like really cool story, you know, but, but something's, something's not right. Something's not out there. The guys want to tell you what it is, but they know better. And, and hopefully it'll all get corrected. We'll see. That's it for me, dude. This team is wearing me out. (laughs) You know, in about two months time when the playoffs start. Oh, it'll be fun again. It'll be fun again, and I, I think, or or we'll just know. I mean, that's 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 what's somewhat nice about this is that we've got about six weeks, and then it's playoffs, and then within a two months time, uh, you know, two extra weeks, we're gonna know whether if this team's for real or not in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then things will get interesting. Hey, so. and we're getting close to the tournament, so we'll be talking about that pretty soon. Yep. Very unfortunate about Zion Williamson, He'll be back. Uh, and your be back. team, but okay, okay, all right. All right, that's We're good. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby, man. Yeah, I, knew that was, I was just leaving that open before I hit stop. Figured <laughs> you get that little jab into Bobby if he's listening. Had to do it. All right. Late. See ya. <laughs>